What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. Today, we're going to be recapping the 2021 Turkish Grand Prix here on episode 117 of our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Chris Cato. I'm joined by my fellow backmarker this afternoon, Tyler McDonald, to recap all the action in Turkey. Tyler, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How about you, Chris? It's a, it's a nice weekend for us. It was a Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada, so a long weekend, and I just spent some time with some family, which was always nice. So I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving, too. Maybe got a little bit of turkey action in there, Chris? <laughs> Maybe a little too much, but... <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we took uh, an extra day here to uh, record the podcast, so it's coming out on this Wednesday, so a little bit later than usual. But nonetheless, we've still got a lot to talk about and a lot of uh, exciting things coming on our channel as well. We're not going to announce everything just at the moment because I don't like to announce it before we haven't <laughs> completed it, but we got an exciting interview coming up at the end of this week. Mm. Uh, we also got the podcast with Tim Haraney talking about motorsport in North America, which will be coming out very soon. It will either be at the very end of this week on Friday or Saturday or early next week on Monday ahead of the United States Grand Prix. So stay tuned to that to our channel for that as well. And hopefully we should be catching up with uh, Shaker as well by the time we get there. Very busy with work on his side. So uh, we might be able to join us uh, mid-episode here, but uh, we're not quite sure. So uh, we'll catch up with him a little bit later on. So Tyler, let's get right into all the action in Istanbul. And kind of a very interesting race, an odd race in a way. It wasn't the most exciting Grand Prix, but conditions made it kind of tricky and, and just very weird because it was... Usually we see races when it rains that we got a, sh a shift over period between the wets and the dries, but much like we did last year, we had no shift over and the slick tires turned into, or excuse me, the wet tires turned into slick tires essentially. So just general thoughts on the 2021 Turkish Grand Prix to start us off before we get into some of the specifics. Yeah, it did remind me a lot of last year's race, just... Um you know, those intermediate tires turning into slicks and not being the best tire to be on for most of the race. Um, it was really weird. I think they were saying the humidity was 94% or something like that, which is crazy. I mean, obviously that's tough to make uh, the help the track dry. Um, and there was that sort of mist in the air for the whole race that kind of just seemed to keep that, the, the track pretty wet. Um, so yeah, no changeable conditions and, but it wasn't really crazy wet where they're, were cars making mistakes like it wasn't wet enough for that as well so it's just kind of one of those weird wet races that i don't think i've ever really seen before though where it was it was wet but it wasn't wet enough um which is an interesting kind of claim uh, to have or scenario to have but uh other ways otherwise i mean it's great to see valtteri take the win i think he really deserved it um i was hoping he would get at least one win before the end of the year and i actually predicted in a, a sports betting pool <laughs> that I had him winning and I had max second. I almost won everything. The only thing I missed was that I had Lewis winning the fastest lap award and obviously Valtteri snipped it right at the end. So I didn't, I didn't win my pool. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was, I was upset. Um, but uh, all in all, I thought it was a, an all right race. Nothing like we saw in Turkey last year. Um, but in the end, uh, it's still entertaining uh, with all the strategy. If you're into strat uh, strategic races, this was one for you. Yeah, you definitely enjoyed that aspect of the race. And of course, the slick intermediate tires or, or whatever you <laughs> want to call them, the way they turned into it. It was pretty funny just to see cars like Esteban Ocon not do any pit stops throughout the whole race. 
and Lewis Hamilton almost made it the whole way as well, which we're going to get into a little bit. But let's start right off there with obviously the Grand Prix winner, which was Valtteri Bottas. And I, I'm the same with you. I'm so happy to see him win a race because ever since he's announced that he's signing with Alfa Romeo for 2022, he seemed a lot more relaxed, a lot more comfortable with the car. I think also some of the upgrades Mercedes have brought have really helped Valtteri maximize the most out of the tires and of, of the package as well. But just to see him on top again and in a wet race as well he's kind of struggled in wet races if you think obviously last year here in turkey with six spins and finishing outside of the points and then earlier this year at the hungarian grand prix the carnage that he caused on lap one so seeing him really excel in the wet conditions and keep max verstappen behind him that was really impressive to see and he's been driving incredibly well he's actually outscored hamilton and verstappen ever since he's announced his new contract for 2022 so I think this was perfect for Mercedes considering with the Hamilton engine penalty, Verstappen starting in second, the fact that Valtteri was able to do this. I'm not going to say it was the greatest win of his career, but I think it's definitely ranking up there with Australia 2019, for example. Yeah, I think it's up there and for the reason that he dominated the whole race. Um, it really didn't seem like he was going to lose the, the first place at all throughout the whole race. I thought he was in good control and, and raced a very... Um, consistent and um you know not i wouldn't say perfect because obviously you know it could be a little bit better always yeah but to get fastest lap and to you know lead every single well almost every single lap whatever it was um not including the pit stops and and all that um i thought it was really impressive from valtteri that's a valtteri you want to see and that everyone's been expecting and just hasn't been there so um, don't look now. Valter is not out of the championship. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to, I think, win out to to make a charge. But uh, in the end, I, I thought uh, I was very impressed with Valter. And like I said earlier, very happy for him. Yeah, it's nice to see. And I was kind of a little bit worried that he might not be able to win a race before the end of the season because we're getting into the business end of the championship. Anytime Bottas would be leading and Hamilton would be close, we're thinking that their team orders would come into play. But this was a perfect scenario, and it really came together for him. So, good, massive congratulations to him, and hopefully, it's not the last of, of his of this season and of his Mercedes career. But it is looking likely. But it was huge his performance for what it did for the championship, because in second place, of course, was Max Verstappen, but. Max was just not there all weekend long, and I think that he would be the first one to admit that himself along with his team. They were just off the pace for Mercedes, and I think had Hamilton not had the engine penalty, you would have most likely seen a pretty comfortable Mercedes 1-2 because Verstappen couldn't really have any answers for Bottas, and it's not an insult to Bottas, but I think earlier in the season, you would have seen Max pass him relatively quickly and kind of drift away and, and take a race victory. But we didn't see that this race. So I think Red Bull were struggling with setup. You, you complained all weekend long of understeer, and that's necessarily not what exactly Max Verstappen likes. He likes a very good sharp front end that turns in nicely, which is why we saw Perez, his teammate, tend to drive a little bit better this weekend. So in a way, it's kind of... It's good for Red Bull and Verstappen because they walk away with six points in the championship. But much like Verstappen's comments post race, you can tell that he knows that Red Bull, have, or excuse me, that Mercedes have found a little something extra, especially in the straight line speed, because that's been a talking point, Tyler, that Mercedes have just found something in the engine department in the last couple of races because they were much, much quicker than Red Bull on the straights, even with a higher downforce setup. Exactly. I mean, we saw how big the rear wing was for. Uh, both Mercedes drivers. I mean, I was kind of, they were, I think it was um, Hamilton was behind 
maybe it was Leclerc at the time, but you could really see the difference on the rear wing and how much more downforce and how big, how, much, how big that rear wing was for uh, the Mercedes cars. And I, mean, I don't know, maybe that's one of the reasons why Lewis took that um, ICU a uh, new ICU penalty. Maybe there's something that they found in that ICU uh, that has projected them uh, to have more pace so far in the straight lines. I- I'm not sure, but whatever ha- has been happening for Mercedes, it's really been working, obviously. And uh, that's going to be very important for some of the races to come, especially uh, the new <laughs> the new Saudi tracks, uh, or I should say the new whatever, this um, Middle Eastern tracks. Uh, with Qatar having a couple long straights, uh, Saudi Arabia definitely having a few long straights in there, and then the new Abu Dhabi layout, which will favor uh, more, I'd say more high-speed uh, performance than it has in the past. So um, definitely something that Mercedes maybe had in their back pocket and were waiting to push out next year and said, well, you know what, we'll have to push out this year. I'm not sure, but whatever it is, it's working. Yeah, and Red Bull has asked some questions about the engine. They haven't lobbed any formal protests because they're just trying to figure out what they're doing. And this has been the sort of off-track bickering back and forth of Mercedes really started it in the beginning of the year with the bendy wing controversy and even the the rigid sidewall with the tires and everything, which I think have benefited Mercedes in recent times. So obviously there's no evidence to suggest that they're doing anything illegal. It could just be that they found something maybe in terms of engine performance or setup as well that's enabling them. But I think it really does come down to something with the power unit because even, like you said, with with the higher downforce and the bigger wing, they were still faster. Could also be the fresher engine as well in, in Hamilton's car. But, um, you know, Verstappen has a relatively fresh one as well, taking all those components in Russia. So it, it's going to be interesting. When you look at the next track, Circuit of the Americas, not the most power-sensitive circuit, does have some DRS straights, which are pretty long, but of course it is dominated by some medium to higher downforce uh, corners and sectors. And then when we go to Mexico, that's usually a Red Bull hunting ground with the higher altitudes. But I really think that this year you can't, it's hard to predict like who's going to be strong where, like maybe Red Bull won't be as strong as they used to be in Mexico and it's going to be Mercedes. It's, I think they're really, really close as we've seen as we get down to the last six races here. I mean, there's just so little margin to separate the two teams. Yeah, there really is. And I think that's the most exciting part of this season is that we finally, we have a match for the Mercedes dominance over the last uh, several years now. Well, I guess it is seven years uh, since 2014, which we've been like looking for and looking for since, you know, we thought we had in 2018. We thought we had in 2019 with Ferraris coming in. Then last year, Red Bull just wasn't there. Didn't make as big of a push as they, we thought they might. And then with the new regulations this year, um, you know, attacking the Mercedes car uh, almost with uh, the high rake, low rake uh, comparisons for different cars. Um, we've really seen the, the competition come a lot closer this year, which is fantastic for everyone. And again, we're going to see, is this going to continue to 2022? Who knows uh, with the new regulations coming in, it could be anyone we could have Mercedes or we could have uh, Alfa Romeo beating everyone by eight <laughs> seconds. Like who knows? We don't know what it's going to be. So um, I just like, I like what they did F1 this year to bring it a little bit closer. Um, and it's as close as we've seen it, you know, for a long, long time. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of that, cause I just saw the stat this morning that this is the most amount of different race winners we've had since that great 2012 season. 
Uh, currently, we have six different winners in 2021, and I believe 2012 had eight different winners. Of course, the seven different winners to, to open up the first seven races of the season. I think that was the 2012 season, if I'm not mistaken. So that really goes to show just how much closer the field has gotten. And it is a shame that we do. I mean, we are excited for the new regulations because of what it could bring. But it's also you're a little bit afraid of it, too, because the last big regulation change, the field just got so big separated. And now that it's so close that McLaren are almost there, Ferrari are almost there, Red Bull and Mercedes seem to be even. And you're sometimes even getting some of these midfield teams able to score podiums. I mean, how many different drivers have we had on the podium this year, which has Mm. been awesome. So yeah, that's almost like you kind of wish the regulations weren't changing just yet. But hopefully, like you said, that we're going to have some pretty big surprises in 2022. But yeah, that that's uh, that will have to wait for, for next season. But a lot of work to do for Verstappen and for Hamilton in these final six races. It's going to be very close between the two. And I think both are keeping really super focused on the big picture. And uh, we're going to get to Hamilton in just a second. But let's talk about Verstappen's teammate, Sergio Perez because he's been struggling quite a lot since the British Grand Prix. Mm. Some of it hasn't been his fault, of course, when you look at what happened to him in Hungary, for example, had some engine penalties in Zandvoort, but he did make some mistakes himself. Obviously, Belgian Grand Prix crashed out on the reconnaissance lap, but this was really the weekend that he needed desperately because it wasn't looking good for him at the start of the race. He was falling behind Charles Leclerc, didn't seem to have the pace there, but this is why they brought Sergio Perez in, and as much as he has been struggling at times this year, what he was able to do in his battle with Lewis Hamilton is going to be a big factor in this championship. And we're going to bring the Mercedes side of the conversation in with the number two driver. But for now, Tyler, what did you think of that battle between Perez and Hamilton? I think it was just great driving between the two, great wheel-to-wheel racing. But that's great to see from that second Red Bull seat and that second Red Bull car just fighting the the number one driver at Mercedes there because that was critical in the race. Oh, it really was. It was uh, something very impressive from Sergio Perez. Um, and that's, like you said, why they brought him in was to be that second car to challenge the Mercedes and uh, to really make that fight a lot tougher for Mercedes to um, sandwich Max Verstappen and then go on alternate strategy and be able to either one of them uh, work out and, and be able to pass for stop for the most part. Uh, but Perez uh, did a phenomenal job. And, you know, he, like you said, he has struggled a little bit um, but really came into his form. And I think a lot of that has to do with the classic Sergio Perez, who's the best at saving the tires on the grid. It's, it's Sergio Perez. And I think that really played a factor with how well he could work his tires uh, in the tricking conditions. And, um, it just to be able to kind of extend and, and to make sure that, you know, he has uh, the right amount of grip at, at all times. He's a wily old vet Sergio Perez now. And, uh, can really work his magic. So I think it was a perfect storm kind of also for, for Sergio, um, you know, has done well in Turkey before, obviously the podium last year, second place, and now podium this year, and is also good in wet conditions and is also good uh, at saving his tires. So a great race for Sergio and what Red Bull needed out of him uh, because it really slowed Lewis up. And of course, forced him to make that extra, well, make a pit stop, I should say, because he almost, he did want to go the full way uh, just on those first intermediate tires, which it could be plausible as Charles Leclerc tried it. And, uh, but obviously the, a new set of injuries right at the end uh, had more pace. Yeah. And I think Perez benefited from the struggles that the Red Bull car was having this weekend in the fact that it was understeering a little bit more, which I think suits Perez's driving style, having a more stable rear end 
um, instead of, you know, Max kind of really likes the front end to be very lively, which is kind of the reason why that second driver at Red Bull always seems to struggle, where Max just copes with it a little bit better. But yeah, this is exactly what they need for him going down into the final six races, but also on Mercedes side with Valtteri Bottas as well. These number two drivers are really going to play a big part in the final six races here because we could have these scenarios where, you know, we hope we don't have to take any engine penalties between the two from now until the end. But just like we saw in this race, right, it was big for Valtteri Bottas to keep Max Verstappen behind him, same way as it was with Perez to keep Lewis Hamilton behind him. So you don't want to see Hamilton or Verstappen coming behind these number two drivers and just blowing past them on the DRS straight. So I think Perez fought Hamilton very, very well. Um, I'm surprised maybe the stewards, well, I'm glad that they didn't have a closer look at the incident because obviously Perez was pushed into uh, the pit entry pretty much and then cut back. But it was just good hard racing, I think squabbling over the same track position so the it's critical now now more than ever is when Perez has to deliver these performances and I hope that this was kind of a a weekend to give him more confidence and we see him on the podium at least a couple more times in these final six races because even the constructors championship is still well within the range for Red Bull too yeah I think it is I mean um, I'll let me pull up what the um, standings are here Um, but I mean they are trailing by oh god they're gonna make me do this math point <laughs> fives right yeah well it's, it's they're both have a point five there but there's a there's a lot of numbers involved one second that's okay um, I, I, they're trailing I, by 36 points 36 okay yeah, 36 see, it, it isn't a lot i mean if you have two dnfs from a mercedes <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like that uh, the gap is is very close so uh, they're not very far behind like you mentioned and, and it's still very plausible for them to um to come out with the constructors title like you said mexico is gonna be a big track for them uh to be able to um try and get a lot of points with that high altitude brazil is a very good track for red bulls as well uh, we've seen how well they've done there so if you go by what's left, it's pretty even in terms of um, Mercedes versus Red Bull tracks. Um, you can give USA a toss-up. I think that can go either way. And also, we don't know what's going on with Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And then Abu Dhabi is uh, more of a Mercedes track. But again, change the layout. So who knows what's going to happen there as well. Um, so like you said, I think it's it's very close up for the grabs. And it's nice to see that a constructor's battle is also kind of shaping out with a driver's title because uh, that gives a lot of different scenarios. And not only, not only are you going to see the Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen fight, but we're going to see Perez and Bottas play a big factor into this as well, because of course um, the teams are going to want to win that constructor's title, not just solely focus on the title, on the driver's title, which of course will be a priority, um, but it's always a team sport. And uh, I think you know, it would be interesting to see who, favors the driver's title over the team constructor's title as well yeah that's right and you got to think that really outside of the drivers i think the team really want that constructor's championship because Mm -hmm. you know of course mercedes they got almost a thousand employees same with the red bull so driver's championship is obviously huge and it's the most prestigious but for the team members the mechanics the social media guys the communications directors like they want that team championship as well to feel like of course, they're part of the winning team as well. So, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. The The last six races of the season can't believe that we're already here at the end, but it seems like we're going to get an, a nice crescendo. So to wrap up on the, the top two teams, let's talk about Lewis Hamilton, who, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, 
had a very good start to the race. Of course, got to give a shout out as well to Yuki Sonoda in the Alpha Tauri for yeah. providing the most valiant defense against <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. I, I just got to say, I was impressed with Sonoda. He was keeping the car in all the right bits of the track and really not making it easy for Lewis. No, he wasn't. It took what seven laps for um, for Lewis to pass Sonoda, and it only took Lewis to two or three laps to pass Stroll, and then to pass um, who else was he? I think Gasly, I think, was in there, yeah. and maybe Norris. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think those were the three, um, and it didn't take him that long to pass those guys. So, you know, well done by Sonoda. Put his his car in the right place at the right time. But it, what a beautiful overtake by Lewis around the outside on Sonoda. I thought that was. Um, a very classic Lewis overtake to go around the outside and just, you know, this is going to be my corner. I'll set it up and uh, a beautiful, beautiful move by, by Lewis. One of the overtakes of the season, in my opinion, um, just with the conditions and how tricky they were, I thought it was amazing. Um, but no, well, well done to Yuki. And, and for Lewis, I mean, I, I thought he should have personally stayed out. Um, he pitted on lap 50 as uh, so he on a fresh set of enters. And I don't know, I think, with that 22 second difference and um you know maybe it, let's not say a full 22 seconds because let's you know maybe Charles would have got another 10 seconds on him i don't know but i mean he would have had enough room to pass to at least stay ahead of Charles. um i'm not sure about sergio but i think he would have had enough paces to stay ahead of Charles, and that's a big two points in the championship that he'll be losing there so I, i'd be frustrated if i were lewis i in my opinion i would have stayed out um, but I mean, we can't, I guess, go on what ifs because uh, we never know what could happen. Maybe Lewis would have no grip and spun out. We, we have no idea. I think that's the tough part too, right? And you saw how Esteban Ocon's tire looked at the very end of the race. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was close because he said that a couple more corners and he might have had the tire explode. So I think that if you look at in Mercedes's decision there, I think it was right to call him in the first. I forget exactly which lap it was, but it wasn't long after Bottas's pit stop when they first called him in, and then Hamilton told them that he'd like to stay out, and they took a couple laps to think about it. I think had they made the pit stop then, like you said, he might have been able to stay ahead of Leclerc. Maybe not Perez, but who knows? Might might have been able to to snag him as well and, and finish on the podium. But it was really tough because they left it late. And I think that they couldn't take the risk of leaving him out there for the final 10 or so laps of the race, just in case we had some sort of a big tire failure. Um, because it was touch and go. I think he was pushing a little bit harder than Esteban Ocon was in the early stages of the race. Those intermediates were very worn. And now imagine if he stays out till the end and that tire explodes or something like that. Then he's going to lose even more points than he did with this uh, scenario. So it's it's a really tough call. And Again, it's we talked about this with Tim Haraney as well just a few weeks ago that you're seeing the pressure even get to Mercedes here because usually Mercedes are snap of the finger, it's a perfect strategy call, and they've got it all on the money. But we're seeing this year that a lot of these kind of little mistakes, this is not a major mistake. Of course, Hamilton did lose a chunk of points, but at the end of the day, those couple of points might be a deciding factor, right, when we get to Abu Dhabi. So I think you're seeing that the championship pressure is getting to them as well because their decisions aren't as definitive and they're not as effective as they were in recent years. So tough scenario, but I think that and eventually bringing him in was the right move because of just that risk of a tire failure. Yeah, I'm not sure it, you know, if it was the right move or not, but it was definitely a conservative move. Um, and 
that, that's the interesting part is that, yeah, it, it was very conservative for Mercedes. Um, do you have to take risks to win the championship? I think so. Um, is this a risk that they were willing to take? Oh, clearly not. But I think that they're going to have to take a risk either, uh, well, at least once in these next six races uh, to help Lewis uh, to, you know, take a risk and get, try to get more points than, than what they should be able to get. Um, we're going to look back on these little things here and there throughout the championship that will, you know, end up being the difference because I think it's going to go down right to Abu Dhabi. Um, it's going to be, a, you know, within five points, these two, it's just a fight it out for the championship. So who knows how this mistake or how this strategy call will, will play out for Mercedes. But all I know is that we should put this as with the other strategy calls they've made and the strategy calls Red Bull have made, put this in the memory bank and something we can look back on at the end of the season and see if it was the right call out or maybe if they should have taken a little more risk to try and win the championship. No doubt. And Hamilton obviously had a right to be frustrated over the team radio. Again, as same with the Norris situation in Russia too. There's one side of things when you're in the cockpit and then the other side when you're on the pit wall as well. But I think that some of the other teams were a lot quicker to make that decision. We saw with Bottas, obviously it worked out well for him. So yeah, tough scenario, but I like what you said there just to add that into the kind of a long list now of moments that maybe in our 2021 season review, we're going to point to to say, there was a point here. There was five points there. This is another one of those uh, scenarios. So, yeah, all, all adds to the great drama of the championship so far. So, yeah, let us know in the comments what you thought of uh, Mercedes and Hamilton's pit stop call. Who was right? Who was wrong? And what would you have done in that scenario? It's, uh, it's obviously a very interesting debate. At the end of the day, he finished P5, and his storm from... P11 on the grid was made a little bit easier after what happened at the very first corner of lap one, which was, of course, Fernando Alonso spinning out <laughs> in his battle with Pierre Gasly, because I think if Hamilton would have come up against Alonso, that would have been a little bit harder than Yuki Tsunoda as well. And I think that's the one driver Hamilton does not want to see if we go back to what happened in Budapest. So what did you think of that first lap incident there between Alonso and Gasly? And you could throw Perez in as well, who was yeah. on the left-hand side. And do you agree with the five-second penalty for Gasly? Uh, I mean, it, it's tricky. It's not a three-wide corner. Um, and no one backed out of it. Everyone stuck their nose in there. And uh, in the end, Alonso ended up being the odd man out and, and getting spun around. Is there anything Gasly could do there? No. Um, I think it's a racing incident. I don't think Gassi should have been penalized five seconds. I, I think that if you look at the other factors of Perez being on his inside, there's nowhere for him to go on the inside. There's nowhere for Alonso to go on the outside. And there's definitely nowhere to go for Gasly as he was sandwiched in the middle of those two. Um, yeah, I don't think it's five seconds, five second worthy. Um, I think Alonso's penalty on, on Mick Schumacher was five <laughs> second penalty worthy. Um, but uh, no, not, not ghastly though. I, I, it's one of those tricky race, you know, we see lap one, they usually have a little bit of um, lenience toward an incident like that, but I, I'm not sure why they didn't on this occasion. Yeah. I'm the same way, right? It's, it's a lap one incident. It's obviously turn one as well, tricky condition. So it's hard because, Gasly just understeered into him, and then obviously Alonso was there too. But you could also say that Alonso was quite aggressive trying to make the move there on the outside, considering we saw a lot of drivers spin in that in that area during qualifying as well. It's a very 
even Bottas had a big oversteer moment in the race, so it's a very slippery area. But even though if I don't agree with the penalty, again, I understand why the stewards gave it because they've been kind of setting that precedent this year of when there's contact made and a driver spins out, they usually have to penalize the driver kind of being the aggressor there. So, um, yeah, definitely on the Mick Schumacher side of things, that was... <laughs> just watching the replay it was just such a it was a torpedo move from Alonso really it's like we don't expect to see that from him but I don't know did you see the photo of uh, Alonso apologizing to Mick after the race no I didn't see that no okay I'll share my uh, screen with you then just because it's yeah. a it's a really wholesome moment here and I think that you know I was making this comment too of just how full circle everything comes from so this was I think was in the media pen after the race, Alonso just uh, came up to Mick and, and said he was sorry. But it was funny because F1 was putting out all this promo before the weekend of Michael Schumacher's battle with Fernando back in 2005 and, and six, I think it was. That's right. <laughs> and now here we are. He's punting his son out of the race, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, Mick was, was he P13 or 14 at that point? Yeah, I think, um, I think it was like 14, 15 still, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he was, you know... I, Kudos to Mick for a fantastic qualifying yeah. session. Really well done. I think maybe that was undermined during this whole weekend is just how well Mick Schumacher did. Um, of course, that spin really hurt him and sent him right to the back of the grid, but he did pass Mazepin uh, in the end. So he, Mick maybe a little, little faster around Turkey. Um, but uh, no, that's nice to see from Alonso to, to apologize to Mick there. Uh, I like that kind of photo. And I like the comparison you, you made between Michael and Mick. Uh, of, what is it 16 years later and uh and alonzo's punting michael's son out, <laughs> out, out almost out of the race <laughs> yeah it's it's funny like you get nostalgic and you kind of get a little sad too because you wish michael mm. was at the track right you know in in the sort of the parallels because if you look at it i mean kimmy was there when michael was in his prime fernando was there when michael was in his prime i mean these are the guys that were racing and battling him for the championships and now like you said, 16 years later, here's his son <laughs> yeah. racing the same guys, which is, it's just so impressive on, on both sides and, and the connections there. So yeah, it was unfortunate, but I, I agree with you. I think Mick had a very strong qualifying. You saw just how happy he was too, to, mm. to get into P just to, Q, to get into Q2. It was huge for them, but to be only three, four tenths off of Q3 as well, I think was very solid. So yeah, well done to, to Schumacher, who's had a, a pretty decent rookie season so far. And I think he's yeah. hoping to have a good end to this year. I'm not sure if you give him rookie of the year because, I mean, Sonoda's just in a faster car and has done well. But if you're looking at car performance compared to how the driver has done, I mean, in my opinion, I think he's rookie of the year this year. So we'll see what happens in the last six races as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, just quickly, we just got off the Red Bull discussion not too long ago, but I wanted to just get your quick thoughts on the special livery that they had oh. in dedication mm. to Honda. Of course, it was a dedication to the Japanese fans as well, because it was supposed to be the Japanese Grand Prix this past weekend, which they were unable to race at. So they released a special livery, which it's funny because you look at it, it's pretty much Max Verstappen's helmet <laughs> design <laughs> all on the car. But what did you think of uh, the one-off livery? No, I thought it was really nice looking. Um, I think they did a good job with the white. Uh, I think that uh, they incorporated uh, the Japanese culture uh, very well into it. Um, and it was nice to see uh, a car run a different livery again uh, during a race. We've seen Red Bull have some amazing liveries, but most of them aren't usually uh, during the race. They're during, uh, you know, preseason testing or whatever it is. So it was nice to see them use that, and uh, I thought they did a good job of making it look good. It wasn't too flashy, obviously, because all white, but it wasn't too dull either. I think it was a good mix. 
Um, and you know, I want to see, it's too bad that he get, didn't get to run that in Japan. You know, hopefully next year when F1 hopefully goes back to Japan, uh, maybe they run it again. I think that'd be a, a nice touch to do it at that point as well. Yeah, it was a really cool little classy livery and just the small details. Like you had the Japanese sort of red dot where the mm. driver number is. And then, of course, they had the arigato on the rear wing as well with the the thank you to Honda. So really, really cool. Of course, uh, yeah, disappointing that they couldn't run it at the Japanese Grand Prix. And this really would have been the Japanese Grand Prix in which Honda could have had a 1-2 uh, yes. most likely, right, with the package that they have this year and two strong drivers. So that's a real shame as well, but if we do go back to Suzuka next year, Honda is still going to be in the back of that uh, Red Bull. Um, of course, we don't know where Red Bull is going to be next year in terms of performance, so hopefully they'll be able to to have a little bit of a tribute then, but uh, it'll be under a different name, unfortunately, because Honda is leaving. So yeah, cool one-off livery there. Let us know uh, in the comments what you thought of the livery, and, and where would you rank it amongst the special liveries that we've seen so far in 2021? I can't yeah. be ahead of golf. I can't be ahead of that golf one. No, nothing I don't think anything's going to top that. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, that's a beautiful one. That should be their full-time one. Anyways, Yeah, <laughs> maybe next year. Well, actually, just speaking of McLaren, they also just, uh, ahead of the U.S. Grand Prix, they released this really cool merch. It's like a football jersey, but with the driver's sort of oh, cool. numbers on it and stuff like that. So it's essentially a McLaren football jersey, uh, of course, ahead of the, the U.S. Grand Prix uh, next week. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty neat. Uh, there'll be a lot of McLaren fans in the U.S. Uh, with Daniel and, and Zach Brown, and Daniel's basically uh, half American the way he acts. So, <laughs> so true. Um, you know, he loves he loves the U.S. Um, so I'm sure he's gonna be excited to race there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, be a lot of drivers first race there. I think they so. raced there last year. I don't remember. I don't think so. Eh? No, yeah, I think it will be for guys like uh, Latifi, Sonoda, Schumacher, Mazepin. Yeah, you got a couple there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, uh, definitely. The only thing that I had uh, just to wrap up on this episode for the Turkish Grand Prix recap was uh, just a shout out to the Ferraris and Carlos oh. Sainz, who had uh, a really yes. strong drive from starting last on the grid, but also Charles Leclerc, too, who drove really, really well. And I think we're seeing some pretty decent straight line speed from that upgraded power unit. They were faster than the likes of even Red Bull on the straight. So it seems like whatever upgrades that they put in there is really, really working. But uh, I just like Carlos Sainz's moves. You know, it was kind of like a back and forth between Hamilton of who could outdo each other in terms of overtakes. I know that he had the sort of uh, kind of clumsy one on Sebastian Vettel going into, I believe, turn 12 it was. Yeah. But aside from that, solid race. Yeah, very solid race. Um, I thought they did very well. And it was nice to see um, the Ferraris uh, up the grid again. Um, Charles had a, a very solid race and I was hoping that he would squeak out a podium there, but uh, just unfortunately he couldn't. And Carlos Sainz, I thought at, at one point, I was like, he's going to get a podium at the way he's <laughs> racing. Uh, he was overtaking a car a lap at one point. It was really impressive start by, by Carlos. So um, great confidence for them going into the latter parts of the season. And I mean, those are two very talented drivers. They just need the car under them and they can be you know, a world championship challenging team. They really can be. It's the exciting part for next season as well, where mm -hmm. Ferrari could be the sleeping giant, as many people have referred to them. But uh, let's wait and see, because Ferrari do have a tendency to blow things when it comes to, to you know performance and things like that. But they have a really <laughs> strong driver lineup here. And it's it's interesting that you mentioned Leclerc not being able to score the podium. He's only got one this year. And, and Carlos Sainz yeah. has been able to, to grab a couple under his belt now. So 
I think some poor luck on, on Leclerc's side, but Sainz has been just so steady as well. I think he deserves quite the credit for how he's been able to integrate himself into Ferrari. Yeah, no, he has been. And, uh, you know, I thought that maybe um, it would take him a little bit longer to integrate into the team um, than what we saw this year. Uh, but he re- he reacted pretty quickly to the changes um, going toward Ferrari. And it has been uh, very consistent and and very solid. You know, you're always going to have a good race, it seems like. So that's, that's a big positive for Carlos and, uh, you know, his options for the future. Uh, I know he has he's signed next year, um, but I'm not sure about the year after. Um, I'm not sure what his contract is. So it'll be interesting to see with all those young Ferrari drivers coming up where exactly Carlos Sainz will fit in the future and whether or not he moves teams or goes to Mercedes maybe down the line. Who knows what, what, what could happen? He's kind of been a little bit of a journeyman in terms of uh, you know teams he's driven for. He's driven for five teams out of the 10 on the grid. If you go Alfa Romeo, uh, sorry, not Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri yeah. slash, um, um, I don't remember what they were back Toro then. Jeez. <laughs> oh, thank you. Jeez. Um, Red Bull, uh, Renault, McLaren, and Ferrari. So um, maybe the biggest journeyman out there so far. And it'll be interesting to see where he lands uh, down the, in the future. But he had a phenomenal race and has had a very good year so far. So my final shout out then, just got to go to uh, Sebastian Vettel for attempting mm. to skate on ice with those slick tires. <laughs> I don't know why he made that call, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I know, I guess he had to try it, but it was just, yeah, it, it really, I don't think he was on for much of a good result anyways, but it just totally ruined his race. But nonetheless, his rallying skills are pretty impressive. Yeah, I know he wasn't on for points um, and I didn't mind him them going for it. I mean, why not? You may as well try and shake things up. I actually didn't mind the move. Um, but uh, it just wasn't in the right scenario for slicks. Maybe earlier on, um, but it seemed like it got a little bit wetter uh, or, or less grippy at the end of the race. Maybe earlier on, around lap 30 or, or 35, it yeah. would have been a good time to actually try that, um, but not at the end of the race, unfortunately, for, for Sebastian. But I, I don't mind the risk because, you know, if they would have somehow had five seconds on everyone, it would have sent the whole grid for a loop. It would have been insane. So... Uh, kudos for them for trying it. We want to see someone try it. So, <laughs> yeah, true. It was really wasn't much to lose anyway. So, yeah, yeah, gave us some good entertainment at least. And and my final one obviously goes to Kimi Raikkonen, who had the drink this weekend, but it was all over <laughs> his boots. Yes, yeah, a too much drink uh, too for much Kimi. Drink. Uh, you know, and it's, I think there was like I listened to the full rant. He's like, "This is the simplest thing on the car, and we can't even get it to work." Like, what do we look like idiots? Yeah. I'm, there's some swear words in there as well. Oh yeah, um, but hilarious from Kimmy, and the whole drinks bottle uh, saga continues with him. And uh, hopefully, there's a little bit more down the line. And I hope they at the end of the year or something, someone gives him a drinks <laughs> bottle as a like award um, for his retirement. I think it'd be pretty funny. Yeah, 100%. Maybe at the um, at the F1 Awards, we'll see a drunk Kimi Raikkonen receive, receive the drinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, for his sake, I hope he doesn't have to go. But <laughs> uh, So that, that'll do it for me on, uh, on the Turkish Grand Prix uh, recap here. Anything else that uh, you wanted to add? No, I think that's it for me. I'm excited to see what happens in the U.S., um, what the, what's the weather going to be like. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out, but it's going to be a fun weekend. And, you know, six races left. We're almost at the end of the year, which is crazy. Um, but uh, it's going to be a late end of the year, but excited to see what happens down the line.
Yeah, me too. And I'm excited for the next couple of weeks in terms of content on this channel. Oh, yes. Because I think that uh, a lot of you out there, our subscribers and fans as well, are going to enjoy the upcoming podcast that we have coming out and mm -hmm. videos. Like we mentioned in the beginning, if you weren't with us, we do have the podcast with Tim Haraney. It's going to be coming out in, in two parts, I believe, possibly three, because we did speak with Tim for a good almost hour and a half. So that will be coming either the end of this week or the beginning of next week. So just stay tuned to our Twitter at TBMF1Show or our YouTube channel community tab as we'll be posting updates there as well. So that'll be very interesting. And then Tyler, you and I have an interview upcoming this Thursday with a very special guest. Uh, we're not going to reveal who. Let's let, let's let it be a surprise and also let's not jinx it. Make sure that the interview goes well. Uh, should we give them a, like a hint, like a teaser of like of what? If you, if you want, it's it's up to you. We'll, we'll just say um, he has driven an F1 car in a race before. Uh, we'll, we'll give you that. There we go. That's that's a pretty good hint. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting because it's he, he is a former F1 driver. We will give you that hint. But the interview isn't necessarily going to be what you think it is about. <laughs> so That's true. Because yeah. <laughs> even we were surprised when we heard this gentleman's name uh, in an involvement with the, with the project that, uh, that relates closer to home for us. So... We're going to have that done hopefully by this week. Um, I haven't figured out yet when we're going to post it. We're going to see because it is a very busy, I think, uh, schedule coming up with the Mexican Grand Prix as well. So we'll see if we can squeeze it in there. But yeah, you can expect those two interesting conversations. Of course, the conversation with Tim Haraney is about motorsport in North America, the <laughs> growth uh, of it in the United States, the Netflix effect, possible American drivers, American teams. I mean, we go through everything. It's a really, yeah. really interesting discussion. So and it's always a blast talking to Tim. We have a lot of fun on that on those podcasts. And if you're looking for a funny one, we I mean tons of laughs did, in, yeah. in the podcast with with Tim. So definitely look forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, follow us on social media for all those latest updates. If you did enjoy this podcast, give this video a thumbs up. If you are listening on one of the podcast apps, give our podcast a good rating and subscribe as well so you never miss a new episode whether it be a special one or a race recap for 2021 so that'll do it for this episode thanks everybody for joining thank you for all the support and we really appreciate you guys following us this season it really means a lot so for tyler mcdonald i've been chris cato for episode 117 we'll be seeing you soon bye for now